My name is Jeffrey Sidoris, and I want to welcome you to this, uh, gosh, I guess it's the third installment of this audio call-in experiment. Can you, can you hear that? Let me turn it up for you. How about now? Can you hear that? That sound is the sound of the cicadas. And from the time that I was, gosh, I don't know, four, maybe five, until my senior year in high school, the cicadas were sort of the soundtrack to my summers along the Colorado River. These were recorded outside our house, just north of D.C. a couple weeks ago. And the first time I heard them after we moved here, that sound brought me right back. Before we had a house at Lake Havasu, uh, we had this little Aljo trailer uh, along the Colorado River at a trailer park called Windmill. And it was at the very back row of the park, furthest from the water and closest to the road. And across this little gravel parking lot was a long line of tamarisk trees that bordered the park. And these were the temporary homes for the cicadas. And after long days on the water, their rhythm, that sort of hypnotic rhythm, would lull us to sleep until the next morning when we'd get up and do it all over again. And every summer since we've moved to this house, I still look forward to the sound of falling asleep to the cicadas. You know, I've got to tell you that I was really nervous about doing this, and I still am, frankly. But I think it's got the potential to turn into something interesting maybe even something special. So I want to thank you again for those of you who've listened to episode one and listened to episode two. uh, I really appreciate it. Looks like we've got a call already. Tell you what, hold off on this. I'll I'll get to calls in just a second, okay? Uh, I want to tell you about something before we get to the calls. Boy, persistent. Hi, who's this? Hey, this is Tom in Michigan. Hey, Tom in Michigan. Uh, can you give me a few minutes? I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about something real quick, and then I'll uh, I'll I'll take I'll take some calls. Can you can you give me just like five minutes? Yeah. Do you want me to hang in the line, or do you want me to call back? No, just give me a call back in about five minutes. Yeah, you got it. Okay. Thanks, Tom. All right. Yeah. Bye. Uh, so, like I said, I I just want to thank you for those of you who have listened to the first two episodes and who have called in and been really generous with your stories. Um, So uh, last year, I had an idea for a show that I had every intention of starting this year. In fact, I was all set to begin production in March, but COVID happened. And I thought, like many of us, maybe you did too, that we would listen to science, take appropriate action, the curve would flatten, 
and things would suck for a couple of months, but then we'd start to get back to normal, right? But as it turns out, we didn't, and it didn't, and there's really no such thing as normal anymore. So this show I wanted to do is, it's called A Day's Work, and it's my attempt to sort of build on some of the work that Studs Terkel did uh, starting in the 40s. Studs was a radio broadcaster who recorded conversations with people, thousands of people, over a period of several decades. And he talked to them about what they did, their work, and how they felt about it. And the project inspired a book called Working, which was published in 1974, 75, 74, I think 74. Anyway, so I thought it would be really interesting to see how people's feelings about work and the work itself have changed in the past 50 or so years since working was produced. And originally, I wanted to record the conversations in person, just like Studs did. But with COVID still here and in many places on the rise again, that just doesn't seem possible. So I've decided to sort of tweak the scope of it, make some changes, at least for now, and record the conversations remotely. And I'll have more information about it on my site in the coming weeks. But basically, in addition to reaching out to people directly, I want to uh, post available times so that you can book time with me, maybe a half hour at a time, maybe an hour. I don't know. I haven't decided on that part yet. And we can record a conversation about what you do and how you feel about it, what you bring to it, and maybe what you get from it, and see if it becomes something interesting. And uh, so that's it. So be sure to subscribe, either subscribe to Jeffrey Sidoris Everything, or just uh, follow me on Instagram or Twitter, at Jeffrey Sidoris. That's where I'll be posting kind of updates on all of these things. Um, so a couple things I wanted to talk about tonight and maybe open it up to you. I mean, we can talk about anything you want, but this might get the juices going as it were. Uh, a couple books I have, well, one I've, I read a while back and one I'm currently reading right now, talking about ideas and genius and, uh, where, in fact, one of them is called where good ideas come from by Stephen Johnson. The first book, that, and I read this a few months ago, this is, uh, it's called Organizing Genius, and it's by Warren Bennis and Patricia Ward Beardman. And it, it takes a look at the idea of uh, groups, specific groups. Uh, the group that worked on the Manhattan Project is one. Um, the Lockheed group that worked on the SR-71, Skunk Works. Uh, Macintosh, Apple, and a few other groups to look at the, the commonalities of these groups or teams that have generated an extraordinary amount of good ideas, right? And it's a fascinating book. So that led me to another book, which is called Where Great Ideas Come From, as I mentioned, by Stephen Johnson. And the, the big takeaway from this book is something he calls the adjacent possible. And... Uh, I'll give you an example of the adjacent possible. Uh, one of the examples that they, that they use in the book is, is uh, the idea of incubators in a hospital, uh, particularly in third world countries. 
uh, incubators get sent to third world countries, uh, but they have neither the expertise or the parts to repair them when they break. So within five years, better than 90%, I think it's better than 95% of these machines uh, stop working, which is a shame because just by adding an incubator into the mix, infant mortality tends to drop by orders of magnitude, right? So uh, there was a group that was looking at this, and what they found was that in in third world countries, uh, automobiles are everywhere, uh, and they are able to keep automobiles running for a long time. Parts are plentiful. It doesn't take a great deal of expertise relative to repairing scientific equipment. So this company had the idea to build an incubator out of automobile parts so that if something went bad, a bulb, for example, it was as easy as swapping out a car headlight. And it was wildly successful. And it, it's, it just it speaks to the idea of, of looking at things from a slightly different angle. And my mother used to always tell me to look at things as if, as if looking through a kaleidoscope, right? It doesn't take much of a, of a, of a turn, of a, of, a, of a twist, for what you're looking at to change dramatically, right? Or if you want to borrow from one of my favorite movies, Contact, Small Moves, Ellie, right? So this is a fantastic book, and it's, it's kind of hitting me where I live at the moment because I, I regularly struggle with the idea of ideas and where do they come from and and some people are of the opinion that you simply wait for genius to strike you simply wait for the muse to to settle softly on your shoulder and give you uh, some pearl of wisdom or some great idea or some brilliant photograph or painting or written work but that's typically not the way it works and in quite a few case studies in this book, we see examples of that. One of them, in fact, was uh, uh, a guy named Kevin Dunbar at McGill University studied this, this group of uh, scientists in a molecular biology lab. And what he found that was that the, the breakthrough ideas didn't happen in solitary, nor did they happen at the microscope, but they, they happened at the lunch table, they found that they had. To, they happened at the conference room. They happened when groups of people got together and talked about what they were working on, either individually or collectively, and then went back and let those ideas, let those concepts, let those conversations sort of percolate and come up with something new. And we see this not just in science, but in art. If you've ever seen Pollock, terrific movie, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, Pollock hangs out with with de Kooning and and you know other artists and poets and out of that you could argue that uh, his genius maybe wasn't born but certainly was nudged in different directions right so I'm fascinated by all this and I wanted to get some feedback on it maybe see what you guys think um, I think it's a fascinating topic. I, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about it, writing about it, reading about it. Uh, but what do you think? Let's, let's open this up. Uh, I know Tom from Michigan is going to call, and I, and I can't wait to talk to him. Uh, but uh, give me a call, 202-539-0209. You can also Skype me at Sadoris, S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S. Uh, in the meantime, this is a tune... By Paolo Pavan. This is Urban Slanging. Here we go. Hey, 
All right, I'm actually going to cut this a little short uh, because on the phone Uh-oh. from way back, <laughs> Tom in Michigan. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I guess I'm, I, you're, I'm you're now to Tom in Illinois, here. right? I, I am briefly. <laughs> yes, I'm in downtown Chicago, empty Chicago, it feels like. Is it is it completely just surreal now? Well, it, it, it is. Uh, we got here yesterday on a gig and... Um, we're staying at the Lowe's downtown, but uh, the the giant Sheraton Hotel right across from us is closed. I, I don't like. I looked out. I'm looking out my window at it right now. And yesterday when I got here, I'm like, there's no lights on over there. And down by the lobby, it's all it's like shuttered. And I don't know if it's because of COVID. I don't know if they're remodeling it. It is a little bit of an older building, but but then just on the streets around here, there's just not that many people. It's weird. It's beautiful here. It's like 80 degrees. It's like summer weather, and there's just not the normal. It, it feels very weird. Have you ever experienced it like that before? Oh, gosh, no. And I've been to Chicago many, many times. And um, I mean, even in the winter, it's, you know, these people hustling around. And um, I, I know we went to a restaurant last night out um, a little bit west of, you know, the directly downtown, probably just like a couple miles out there, kind of hipster neighborhood that's up and coming. And uh, th- there were definitely like big outdoor seatings of places. Uh, so and we went to a, a place. um an Italian joint called Piccolo. Uh, oh gosh, Piccolo something. Please tell me it's Piccolo there. Pete. Please tell me it's Piccolo Pete. It's, it's not Piccolo Pete. Damn it. Anyway, so <laughs> there were people out, you know, doing things, and you know, but everybody on the streets was wearing masks. I was, I was, you know, encouraged to see that, and um, so they're taking it seriously. It seems like in Chicago, but anyway, I don't know. Hey, th- thanks for having me on, man. I, I, I just, I want to say that I am this is a cool thing that you got going and I, oh, I thank you. I'm excited to, to, to see it evolve. I'm, I'm nervous. Um, I, I, like, I feel like I'm, uh, you know, a chimp trying to write Shakespeare on a typewriter. I, you know? <laughs> well, fill it with enough chimps and typewriters and you'll get there. <laughs> um, no, but you, but you, you, you've inspired me for, for years, you know, oh, and thank actually, you. you know, ever since OTP ended, uh, which you know, I'm still recovering from cause I didn't have anybody to call every week. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry we left no, you hanging. It, it, I, you did, man. I called the number. It wouldn't pick up. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so when you did this, I'm like, okay. We moved no, away anyway. and didn't tell you. You, you did? <laughs> Actually, you know, I've, I've met Bill in person two different times now. Right. Because I've gone to New York. Um, and then he actually put me in his 365 portrait series which at that point was you know probably like 700 and some odd i don't know right he was like he was i think in his third year of it that was a little over a year ago in the spring but uh but anyway um no i uh can can i tell you something i i think i've only been with bill in person twice maybe three times but i don't think it's been more than that really yeah wow isn't that wild you guys had a serious rapport man and you had a great following and um it was awesome. Thank I, you. Uh, I just talked to him the other day, by the way. Favorite, did you? Yeah. I, I, I check in with him every now and then. But um, one of my favorite episodes that you guys did, and you only did this once, and I think this could be a cool thing down the road for you with your conversations, is when you guys took that walk together. Oh, yeah. Well, he was Yeah, he was down in D.C. I think he was visiting his sister. Maybe I think it was in DC. Uh, yeah, yeah we, we did the, the the National Mall. Yeah, yeah, it was a great 
I think that's a, a cool idea to take a, you know, go for a walk with somebody. You, know, you didn't do Thank it all you. the time, but uh, it's something that uh, it was just, it was neat. It was fresh. It was, you know, you talk about things that you saw on the way and right. it was good stuff. Yeah, it was fun. I, um, I remember that episode very fondly. And I think, I think we got some grief uh, for uh, huffing up the, the stairs at Lincoln. <laughs> you did. You did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. You know, I mean, but hey, uh, you go do those stairs. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So anyway. Uh, well, what are you doing in Chicago? I mean, are you are you making good things happen? Are you are you? Oh, no, I'm uh, so. So what, what I do for a living, I, I, I'm a sound man. Right. For, uh, I'm a freelance sound man. I work for, I've been working with the same cameraman out of the Detroit area for 21 years now. And we do um, mainly network news stuff. Like on this particular gig, I'm working for CBS 48 Hours, just doing some interviews for their show. Mm-hmm. And actually, this particular gig, we're, we're only shooting the reporter end of it. Um, it, it ever since COVID, the, like the standard operating procedure pretty much for everybody is doing these zoom meetings but setting it up like you know we're shooting a shot of the reporter and she's on a we set up the computer where the guest would normally be sitting right and you you create the zoom link and you feed the audio and the in the picture down the line so everybody's you know you get all the eye lines right and everything so they can cut it so it looks like they're sitting in the same room right but but they're talking over a zoom meeting like there's a crew down in alabama interviewing you know the the people on the other end of this thing and um that's the way it's been going. I mean, producers aren't coming on into the field, wow. uh, basically at all. It's just, it's, it's really, it's, it's strange. Do um, you see it changing we, you know, anytime soon, even, even under sort of severe sort of safety precautions or is, is this the new normal is, 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 are the days well, of in-person interviews gone? No, it's, it's definitely not gone, but for the time being, I will say that that uh, like CBS and NBC, who we mainly work for, mm-hmm. and ABC, we, we do a little bit of ABC work too. Um, uh, the networks have been quite uh, aggressive about safety and protocol, and you know we have to check in with a virtual nurse in the morning and just you know take your temperature, and somebody mm-hmm. sees it and you know verifies your ID. So they they've taken it very seriously, you know, and and we're not we're basically not allowed to go inside. You know, when we're doing a uh, here, we're in, you know, a, a ballroom of a hotel that we've set up a little, you know, typical kind of mobile studio thing. in. but when we're doing a guest of like, you know, the other day we talked to a professor at Michigan State University and we'd shot it outside hmm. um, because they, they, they don't even want you going inside. So it's going to get weird when it gets colder here because, right. you know, we're not going to sit down for an hour long interview sitting in the snow. But um, um has your kit changed no. as a result of all this or are the, the actual logistics or mechanics of what you do? Has that changed or are you still using the same gear, same equipment, same sort of well, protocols? We're still using all the same gear. We, we, we've, we've, what we've added is a computer, um, a capture card for the you know, camera to go mm-hmm. into the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then basically, uh, you know, that sends the audio and the picture um, so it's really just adding the whole zoom element to it. But right. like when you're outside, you have to worry about, you know, using hotspots on your phone that aren't always reliable. And, right. um, so that can be kind of sketchy. Uh, so far it's, it's, it's worked okay. But, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it, it's the not having, you know, a producer in the field. That's right. really kind of the odd thing. Cause they're taking care of, you know, logistics and dealing with the, 
you know, the, the, our guests and, right. you know, taking the guests out to lunch and ha- just handling them while we do all the lighting and sound and get set up. Now it's just, just us showing up and we're, you know, so. It, are those duties okay. now on you? Are you taking over those, those roles or are, do those roles well, just not, not like exist anymore? People, they're kind of not existent. It's like, yeah. it's, it just, it, it does feel a little bit, I mean, not to be, you know, make a pun, but it, I feel like it's a little bit phoned in and we we are phoning it in. Wah, wah. But I mean, yeah, 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 I know, exactly. But it's, uh, you know, just show up here at this time, and okay, the, the person comes out, and you you do the thing, and uh, even shooting B-roll, you know, the extra, you know, cut shots that we get is very limited. You know, right. you might get a, you know, you can't go into the house and get the, you know, the family making dinner with right. the kids. Right. It should be like a typical thing, you know, you're shooting somebody. Um, that will change down the road, but when, I don't know. Um but the networks are being very cautious about it. So, I mean, that, that's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. Absolutely. A- absolutely, man. I mean, somebody's got to listen to science. <laughs> exactly. Some, oh, dude, it's, it's just, it's bananas. Man. Yeah. I, I don't even, I, 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 uh, I can't, I can't hardly even talk about it. But, right, 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 right. You know what I mean? Well, I, uh, so, I'm so glad to hear your voice. And yeah, good to hear this, too. this number, you know, put this one in your in your Rolodex now. Wow, Rolodex! <laughs> wow, <laughs> those were those were things made of Rolodex. paper, kids. <laughs> <laughs> this will be the only number in it. No, I'll look forward to calling back sometime, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll try to check in. Uh, that's the whole thing is that uh, you know, and I was trying to figure out when you were going live because I listened to one and two, and I was like, when did you do this? And, well, th- and I'm still trying to figure out Instagram a today. consistent time. And and today today was a little later because we had to take Cooper, our dog, uh, to right. the vet for his final heartworm all clear blood draw. Which this whole if you've ever had a dog with heartworm, you know. If you haven't, uh, this is next month will be a year that this process right. started a year ago with. Wow you know, keeping him on reduced activity and, and, you know, steroids and, and antibiotics yeah. and then, you know, the actual medicine that, that, you know, kills the worms. And man, it's just a, it's a slog. And so this was, this was his sort of final all clear. Uh, he's healthy. Everything's good. So now we oh, can. Good. good puppy. Yeah. Now we can. Uh, That's awesome. Travel again and, and, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, I, I've got uh, uh, two German short-haired pointers that are not quite. They'll be turning three next month. Oh wow! And um, are they related? Uh, are they last, siblings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're brother and sister. They're yeah. amazing. But they uh, they're, they're bird hunting dogs. I actually don't bird hunt, but I, I run them in fields and stuff, and they it's amazing to watch them point. And it's it's awesome. But anyway, uh, last year my female uh, ate part of a, a beach towel, and that was a four thousand dollar emergency surgery oh, to get no. that out of the gut. And then oh. this year, the male blew out his ACL, and um, that wasn't quite as expensive, but it was a lot. And uh, and then he had to be on a leash for almost three months. So that, that oh finally, gosh. that's over. That was you know, these are dogs that run you know a hundred miles an hour for you know an hour at a time. It's, right, it's right, crazy. right. So right. anyway, yeah, dog, dog. And then ever since I got dogs, I don't even think about my kids anymore. It's like <laughs> kids. I don't know. <laughs> They're all teenagers. I got to go walk the dog. Yeah, right, 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 right. Oh, that's funny. So, anyway, oh, I'm so glad to hear your well, voice, man. Hey, Thank you so much yeah, for taking the time. Voice. Yeah, don't yeah, be a stranger. I love what you're doing, man. 
last thing. I, I yeah. love the idea of a little conversation and, and turn, you know, playing a tune, some interesting stuff. And Oh, uh, thanks. It's, 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 it's a cool format, you know, just like those spaces in between, just right, like right, know, right, right. talking a little bit and rolling a tune. Um, it's, it's fun to see it evolve. So I'm, I'm, thanks for having me on. And oh, will, my pleasure. Uh, I'll check back in, in a, you know, few weeks or something and we'll, uh, maybe have another chat. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, you know, like I said, I, I, I don't, I'm trying to figure out a regular time on this. So I, I'm thinking, right. you know, it's, it's hard because if I do it, early to to hit the u.s you know east and west coast then it's you know it's right. y- you miss uh the uk and if i do it later then you know it's so it's it might be a, an alternating thing where i do you know five o'clock one week um you know eight o'clock sure. or nine o'clock the next week or something like that to try and fit everybody in because you know i want to talk to as many people as possible and and you know i don't want you to have to stay up until two in the morning to talk to a knucklehead like me <laughs> right, right, right. Hey, last thought. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Sam Harris. Oh, yeah, sure. You know, he says, Terrific podcast. He says, you know, conversation is the only tool that we have. And, and, and a series of, as he puts it, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, you know, a series of successful conversations between people because we're just in such a hard environment, man. Mm-hmm, it's really mm-hmm. tough. So we got we got to keep talking, and we got to keep talking to people that that differ from us. So I love it. Anyway, I'll leave you with that. And um, no, I love it, and I think he's right. I think he's right. Yeah, please do. Uh, Look for me on Wednesdays. I will. Yeah. All right. Thank you, sir. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Thanks. All right. See you. Take care. All right. Bye bye. All right, man. I. What a good guy, Tom in Michigan. Uh, Okay, I'm going to play another tune, and then uh, if you feel like calling in, saying hello, 202-539-0209, or you can Skype me at Sidoris. I actually got to talk to one of my favorite DJs this morning, and believe it or not, it's not that I'm a DJ, but it's an interesting segue. It's the first time that I've ever gotten through to... uh, to talk to somebody that I actually listen to and, and really dig. And that's, uh, that's Monty uh, at the river uh, up in, uh, gosh, Massachusetts, I think. Is that, the, is that where they're at? Anyway, terrific station. All right, so this is Chazar. This is No Control. Talk to you in a bit.
dig that tune. Uh, hey, you know, in, in talking about all of this creativity and ideas, if you feel like calling in, let me, let me know what you think of all this. Do you have singular ideas? Do you get ideas from talking to people? Where do you get your best ideas and, and how do you do your best work? Um, if you've ever heard of Brian Eno, anybody ever heard of Brian Eno? I'm sure you have. Uh, terrific, terrific musician, great thinker, a futurist. Um, he's got this idea that he calls senius. And it's uh, basically the idea is that genius takes the form of this communal action, that it happens out of a group, that it happens out of a collective, uh, that it doesn't just sort of spontaneously happen while you're holed up in your warehouse wearing black, listening to The Cure, waiting for genius to happen, um, that it is this almost collaborative act. And I've definitely seen this in my own life. Um, you know, kind of going back to the, the Pollock example, you know, there was that scene in, in the film where, where Pollock sits there and he's staring at the canvas for weeks, waiting for something to happen. And while it finally does, in the meantime, he has been engaging with these other artists, with these other thinkers, with these, with poets, with musicians, with, uh, you know, painters, collectors. And I have to believe that, that some of that stuff bubbles up to the surface through other people. At least that's been my experience. Um, if I sit down and, and just try and, and formulate some brilliant body of work or formulate some terrific idea, by and large, it doesn't happen. It, it typically comes on the back of something else. It typically comes on the back of um, either thinking about something else entirely or uh, taking a break from it all. I mean, this, this painting project that I did uh, a couple months ago now really was born out of taking a break from social media because I found that the noise that I was reading daily, multiple times a day, uh, doom scrolling, I think is the, is the term that they've used to, to describe some of this. It was, man, it was just wrecking me. It was absolutely wrecking me and I couldn't focus and I, and all I could think about was what was going wrong and, and, and what was happening in the world. And I wasn't focusing on making or putting something interesting or maybe even beautiful into the world. So taking a break from that, pulling back from that allowed me to move forward. And I don't think that anything that I've done so far is genius. I don't think it's uh, anywhere close to that. But movement in and of itself has to happen to get there, right? You have to take the, the 10,000 bad photographs. You have to paint the 10,000 bad paintings, hopefully not that many. Um, you know, you've got to write through the bad stuff to get to the good stuff. And I think for me, it gets to a point where once I do have the idea, once I do have a concept or have a direction, then I have to shut down. I have to not look at other things. I have to not take in any more because for me, that tends to uh, dilute what it is that I'm doing. Um, it tends to uh, almost confuse where I think I want to go because now I'm going, wow, this, this person's doing some interesting things. Maybe I could work that in to what I'm doing. This person's got some great stuff. Maybe I could take a little bit of that. 
and what was one idea, one concept, one direction ends up getting splintered and ultimately the work either doesn't go the way I want it to or it goes nowhere at all because I'm too frustrated to begin, right? And maybe that's happened to you, that the idea of putting something out into the world, that's hard enough, right? But we also then levy these expectations on ourselves that it has to be good, whatever that means. And I've got my, I've got my little air quotes here, good. John Wilkening and I have spent, Jesus, hours talking about good and what is good and what does it mean and who gets to decide what good is. Um, and I, I still don't have an answer for you other than I don't think it's me, right? I don't think it's, I don't think I get to decide what's good. I get to decide what's true. I get to decide what's done, what it is that I want to put into the world. But good seems to be, um, that seems to be in the hands of someone else in the same way that, that calling something art. I don't think I can say that what I make is art or not, um, because I think that's that's partially at least the, the viewer's job. I think it, it does it move you? Does it does it does it engage you? Does it transform your way of thinking? Does it does it make you angry? Make you sad? Whatever the emotions are, does it evoke some sort of reaction? And if so, then maybe that's a good enough definition for art. I don't know. Um, it's it's something that I think I've been. Uh, fluid on. I think I've been, my opinion on it has changed as I've gotten maybe deeper into making myself. You know, I think that that looking at some of these things from the outside in gives you one perspective. But when you, when you find yourself on the inside, at least partially, then I think your opinion can change. You know, it's, it's, it's it's fascinating and frustrating and exciting and all of those things all at the same time. So I'm going to play one more thing and feel free to call in. Well, maybe I won't play one thing. Hold on one sec. Let's take a call. Hi, who's this? Hey, this is Richard Boutwell. Richard Boutwell? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm I'm doing really well. Thank you. Good, good to hear it. Where where are you? Remind me again where you are. I'm just outside of Philadelphia. Oh, okay, so you're you're close-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've actually this is like I don't want to. All right, first I don't want to talk about COVID. Second, <laughs> I'm going to talk about COVID. No, uh, <laughs> we were down. Wait a minute, I'm confused. My in-laws lived outside of DC or live outside of DC, so right. we've been down there back and forth. You know, we were down there for almost a month in March. Oh, really? And uh, let me tell right you, when like, s- you were talking to Sean. Uh, I don't know how many days a week you're doing it, but like I was chasing our toddler around the house yeah. and my wife's trying to work and I'm like listening in. It kind of got me through some of those days. So, oh, thank you. you say, thank, well, yeah, thank you. <laughs> no, it's, but, uh, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. It's, you know, he, he's an easy guy to talk to and uh, I am, I am grateful to call him one of my friends. Well, you know, he, I, you know, he's one of those few people I think on YouTube who kind of in terms of the way I look at and feel about things like really gets it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, just kind of good to hear those voices rather than like, yeah, like we're going to go here and it's going to be at level, you know, like all the excitement and energy is like, that's good for some people. Like, um, I really 
appreciate Sean's view too on it. That's that's but cool. uh, man, this conversation and this book you recommend, like you said, you're going to talk about is like so timely. It's, really? Uh, In what way? Tell me. Yeah, yeah. So, um, um, well, and also the thing you're just talking about, where like the you know the working through the ideas, like you get the spark, and then um, then you have to go heads down and right. not look at anything else and do it. Like I feel like I've been doing that like the last. In a week or two, um, and kind of maybe all came to a head last night. Actually, listened to some of the book, so um, I don't know it's just interesting, good timing. But uh, yeah, I so like I don't know. I kind of want to like when you brought up the subject, wanted to give a, a little anecdote about like, kind of where ideas come from. Please, um, if somebody. So I worked for a couple of photographers for like almost twenty years, which is kind of scary to think about. But um, one of the guy, like the guy, he started photographing in the 60s um and started shooting eight by ten like kind of late 60s and did a couple like three like really long trips out west and he's from philadelphia Mm -hmm. um so he made like 700 negatives on one trip in like 75 wow uh with eight by ten with eight by ten like 10 months on the road holy cow wow um and then you know he had this eight by 20 camera Oh my uh, gosh. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I've done a bunch of eight by tens. Let me use the eight by twenty. Right, as as one does. A bunch of film and all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, this is probably seventy eight. Wow. And so he said he made a few, and this is like uh, a story he would tell in his workshop and have like some, uh, you know, visual aids and stuff. But like, just imagine kind of like an eight by ten landscape. And so he said like he was making eight by twenty landscapes that looked just like his eight by ten. He was like, what the hell am I doing carrying this camera that weighs twenty more pounds? Right with these film holders that's harder to develop, uh, harder to print, all this stuff. Uh, so he kind of put it away. And when he was in the Grand Canyon, um, he wanted to get a book to identify some of the birds he was seeing in Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. So he grabbed one of those, like, I, you've probably seen this, like the Birds of North America. Sure, the um, Audubon guides. Yeah, like kind of the, yeah, exactly, like one of the blue covers, you know. Yep, absolutely. Um, Had to carry one around in high school. Of, yeah, so you know the little sonograms in there where it's like the frequency of the bird songs? Right, yes. So he said he was like flipping through that and he sees these kind of long format, little bird songy, uh, periodic and rhythmic marks that represent the bird song. And he's like, like that clicked and said, this is exactly what my eight by tens um, I need to explore with. And so he's like, really? Probably a decade at that point photographing and like making, you know, hundreds of negatives a year probably. Right. And in like a flash like that, um, like his entire work and like the rest of basically, basically the rest of his like working life explored that idea. Wow. Um, and it, you know, so it wasn't about that idea, right? But right. It's about right. like that visual metaphor that allows you to see things in like a totally new way where otherwise you're just like, all right, it's a long eight by 10, like cool. But, right, um, right. But seeing that way is like super interesting. And yeah, it's, I don't know. So anyway, like in terms of the, the, uh, the where ideas come from, it's kind of like the, in the book, it's like Darwin was, he had everything in, in terms of like looking at the journals, like had everything for the theory of evolution all in place. Right. And it was some other spark that allowed him to connect it all Right, together. to connect like, all the dots. Yeah, it happens all the time, yeah. in every single like possible way. It was just kind of interesting and, and timely. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I, uh, man, I, I really love this book. I got it from the library and I ended up buying it because I was like, I need to mark this up. I need to dog ear these pages. Yeah. I need to, you know, th- th- it's really 
profound, actually, you know, in, in terms of how uh, talking about liquid networks and how how mm-hmm. uh, equating sort of the states of matter to how ideas are are routed and rerouted both in and out of the brain is fascinating. Yeah. And, it, I, and again, I wouldn't have put those pieces together to even think about them in those terms, but it works. Yeah. Um, the, some, what I was like saying, like, it's so timely is like, uh, I'm working on these pictures that I took out West, um, earlier in the year before the craziness. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say out West, what are and, you referring to? Oh, so I, I've been obsessed with Death Valley for a couple of years. Ah, yeah. Good um, choice. Yeah. So yeah, I, you know, I, I grew up in <laughs> funny, like funny story, but like I grew up in Joshua Tree. Um, no kidding. I start photographing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my grandpa was a ranger in in, in the Black park. Rock. No before, kidding. Uh-huh, yeah, before it was a, a a park, it was a monument, right? Right. So we settled there because he was a ranger there, um, and like you know, patrolled the backcountry on horseback in like the late seventies. Oh my gosh. Um, early eighties. Yeah, it's like, but so we would go through the Owens Valley to go fishing. Wow. And we'd always see the sign for Death Valley. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he is like retired, like he wants to fish. And I was like, let's go to Death Valley. He's like, there's nothing out there. <laughs> right. It's in the and name. Like, kid. That's my memory. of Death. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, there's no reason to go. There's nothing right. out there. Uh, and, you know, but he's, you know, from that like context, of, like wanting to go on a fishing trip, like why would you go there? Right. Um, but, you know, I finally did when I started photographing and like everybody else, I just like went to the dunes, went to the Brisky Point and all this stuff. And so you, you never got to go as a child. No, we never went. Really? I, I didn't go until um, a, a year after I started photographing. I went like on a big, like, you know, do the California coast trip. Right, 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 right. Wow. Up the White Mountains and Death Valley. Um, but even then, I only photographed like in the dunes and like bad water, you know, like the, the places. Um, but it was reading about the canyons uh, after somebody actually had like a, a canyoneering accident. And I think two people died uh, a couple mm. of years ago. Mm. I started looking at those and people who go down the canyon and that just like took me off in a whole other direction. Um, and it's just like, I don't know that's, that's what sparked the, the kind of obsession in the last few years. Wow. But, um, how long has it been since anyway, you've been back? Uh, I went, um, in February, late February, just this past February. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. So took a trip in like 2017. That's when I started like first exploring like some of the canyons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, just finally went back this past year. Do you and, go solo or do you go with a group? Uh, we're solo. I don't yeah. know if I were, um, I don't know. I, this is like a funny thing. I don't really want to take up too much people's time, but also like maybe <laughs> same, too, but anyway, yeah. but uh, no, it was a solo trip. It was kind of needed at the time and I had planned it for a while and mm-hmm. stuff, um, kind of almost made it not happen. And I was like encouraged to go. So, um, so, but anyway, point is, um, working on these pictures, I'm like, am I, I was kind of like posted last night, social media, like, am I going nuts? Like, and is this like kind of loneliness, not loneliness, but like, you know, the solitude of COVID not being able to show work to people in terms of like a physical print, mm-hmm. um, kind of getting away of like understanding what's good and like what direction I want to take things. Um, well, you know, that brings like up a good point, comment. man, because y- you are such a. Can I use fastidious printer? Yeah, I can use that, right? You can use that word, yeah. <laughs> I mean, incredibly detailed in your approach to printing. So what has this done not only for, for your, your output, 
but how you're thinking about more input because you're sort of, you know, hamstringed by the output. Um, so some, in some ways, like I can print to a certain size at home. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to lay it out because uh, just like we have a small house and you know, it's hard to lay out big prints. Right. Um, the studio I would do the work out of a lot of, for like the last 20 years. Um, they have, you know, big viewing areas and huge tables. And all sure, that. sure. Um, so like that, in that way, it's like been a little bit of a hindrance um, for this kind of new work. But for the most part, um, it's more the, you know, the, the lack of time just because of trying to manage schedules and like lack of daycare and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's like, you know, I've never had a real job, so um, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing the childcare, you know, it's, right. how it's like. I signed up for it. It's, it's not, I'm not, it's what it is, but like that gets in the way more of any, like anything else, like the time constraints. Right. Um, but it's more like the, the living, you know, it's hard to have big prints out and live with them for a minute um, where you pass by multiple times a day to get the feeling of where the direction things are going. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if that answers your question. Or not, yeah, but, it does. Um, I mean, I, I rush, think, but like, you know, your work needs, I think, I don't, I, I don't get, I'm, I'm making a huge assumption here, but I, I don't imagine that, that you can tell a direction by looking at individual prints. I would think that you need to see sequences and fairly large yeah, sequences to see where things are going. Yeah. And that's kind of where I think I hit a bit of a, um, where stuff started clicking the last few weeks where like I started to, and especially this last week where once I worked on enough pictures and kind of understood like some of not the feeling of like having the, like having made the picture, mm-hmm. but um, cause I think in like, I'm going to be kind of the non-traditional landscape photographer saying like, I don't try to recreate what I felt when I saw it because those are completely two separate feelings. And like, and the whole idea for my work is like making a picture that like becomes its own experience. Um, hmm. And separate subject, from the sequence almost, even. Oh, no. So th- that's what I mean. It's like, um, so I trace the sequence as what informs one picture to the next. I see. I see. I see. So there is narrative um, there that links like the them all. Develops. Yeah. 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 The theme develops as I work on them and as I print them. So, um, man, we need to deep dive like this. How, we, we need to take some I, more time that's on why this. I don't want to take up so much time right now. No, no, no. Uh, so, uh, okay. So but, uh, you, you heard it here. Richard Boutwell is going to do a longer conversation. Yeah, well, it's so funny, like thinking about, you know, just like the spark of like this book is like thinking about how series and mostly how it works in series, how things originate and where they go based on just like small, tiny little sparks that uh, without some kind of like time to let them germinate. Right. Um, you might not have. It's I think it's kind of. I keep using YouTube as the. Um, like the frame of reference just because like we're all locked at home watching YouTube, but, um, or listening, come on, or listening, (laughs) no, or listening. I just mean like, you know, some of the popular (laughs) like landscape photography YouTube, um, where it becomes, uh, about the, about the place, about the thing that you photographed and like, not about like the deeper, larger thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And like, I think like having that space, allowing like giving yourself the space to kind of ruminate, um, is super important. Right. Right. Let's, let's, do you want to, do you want to, can we say yes? Can we say we'll do like a, a PD and, and like spend an hour, hour and a half just diving into this stuff? Uh, absolutely. Okay. Like I could, you know, I could talk about prints all day long. So, <laughs> and, and like what, what goes on behind it too. So. Right. Right. 
Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I would love to, and, and yeah, don't answer now, but I, I would love to get some of, of your thoughts on who, who's really kind of knocking it out of the park. Who's, who's really, who lights you up when you look at the work, you know, and, and Uh, maybe not for the reasons that we think, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And how does that inform what you want to do or what you are doing? Yeah, I can't answer it. Well, you don't want to answer right now, but uh, you I'll can. On it. And yeah, you can. No, I, I think um, I think it's Ron Jude or it might be Rod Jude, but um, I think it's Ron Jude, J-U-D-E, mm-hmm. just did a series called, they just published a series called 12 Hertz. Okay. Um, and it's funny in that, like, I've been thinking in a similar way, but he does it to a thousand times more than what I ever could. Uh, and it's, the idea that um, you're photographing things that you can't even perceive the the movement of, like mm. 12 hertz being like the lowest thing you could hear, but like photographing things that happen on geologic time scales. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And so, it, yeah, it's like the pictures are, are beautiful. Um, they're kind of like muted black and white, um, a little bit like Brian, um, Brian Schumacher, a little bit uh-huh, in terms uh-huh. of tonal scale. Okay. But a, like actual physical scale, that I think is, and subject wise, it's much, much, much different. Um, he's like what I'm going like chewing on a little bit lately. Wow. And is, is the so, work, is it large work? I mean, it's like Bertinsky size, like three, four, five feet on a side when you're looking at prints. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, you know, the, that's actually another topic I would love to, to dive into with you is the scale of prints and, and seeing what works at what scale versus what works at another scale and not. <laughs> not sort of forcing, you know, not forcing oh, yeah. one into the yeah, other. Yeah, like so, the, the work informs it. Like yeah. Informs it. We'll have a lot to talk about. I, I Thank you, man. Thank you in advance. I, I yeah. would well, love to Well, finally I was it. able to call in. I'm sorry I called so late on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, so uh, we were talking, sure, the book we were talking about is Where Great Ideas Come From, Stephen Johnson. Right? Or is it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's the one. All yeah. right, I'm going to I'm going to hang up and let you play some tunes. All right. Some I'll play one more tune. Uh, maybe really take... appreciate what you're doing though. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you for calling. Thank you for the yeah. time. I appreciate it. Sure thing. All right. Talk soon. Take care. Bye. All right. That was fun. Oh, man. You know what? If you haven't checked out Richard's work, go go look at it. Richard Boutwell. Find him on Instagram. Go check out his work. Super stuff. Um Let's play one more thing and see if anybody wants to call in. Uh, and if not, then we'll wrap it up. 202-539-0209. Or you can Skype me at uh, Sidoris. Yeah, that's it. All right. This is, let's see, what do we want to play? This is Drake Stafford. Let's play this one. It is a great mistake to confuse it with nothingness. It is rather to be thought of as space, or like space, because space is not empty. It contains the whole universe. So in the same way, the state of mind of the person who is truly enlightened is not empty. It contains everything.
not this, not this, not any conception. The highest state of consciousness in Samadhi is called Nirvikalpa Samadhi, which means literally non-conceptual. All right. Uh, I think we're at about, uh, about an hour. I'll add all these uh, the things that we've talked about into the show notes. They're not in there now, but I'll add them in the show notes when uh, when I repost it. Um, but thank you for being a part of this. It's uh, it's an interesting thing. I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm still trying to uh, work through the mechanics of it. Trying to uh, you know, it's a, it's a dance. It's a it's it's definitely a dance. Um, and I you know I couldn't do it without Adrian sort of acting as producer, helping me out. So thank you for that. Um, and these are fun. I hope, I hope you're enjoying them. I hope you come back and we'll figure out a a more regular time slot on, I think Wednesdays is going to be where, uh, where we land and I might play with the time, you know, a few hours for and back to try and accommodate the U S and the UK. Um, but, uh, I think probably in the five o'clock alternating maybe between five and nine, or maybe we'll just settle on five o'clock and it's just a little earlier for people here in the States. But, um, yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Jeffrey Sedoris, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S. Uh, and again, uh, feel free to reach out with questions, with comments, with feedback, leave them in the comments on YouTube or get in touch with me directly. You can also email me at talkback at jeffreysedoris.com and you can subscribe to all of the shows uh, that I do by subscribing to Jeffrey Sedoris Everything wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. So thank you again for being here. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your attention. I appreciate all of the great conversation. Let's do it again next week. And until then, I'll I'll, I'll talk to you again in a week or so.